What up, brothers? Welcome back to Throwing Hands. Uh, joined by Danny Woods, per usual, on uh, a very, very good fight card. What were your thoughts on this uh, night on Saturday? Dude, this Saturday, a ton of finishes. Obviously, we're going to get into it, but uh, Joaquin Buckley with one of the knockouts of the year. Uh, you look at the main event, Corey Sandhagen is really emerging into what we expected him to be coming up as a prospect. I'm so excited for really everybody moving forward from this this fight card because the guys that picked up wins on Saturday look very, very impressive. All right. Well, let's get into Impa Kasanganai versus Joaquin Buckley, two very promising prospects. Impa Kasanganai coming out the contender series just two months ago and six uh, weeks removed from his first UFC win. And Joaquin Buckley, he came in on short notice against Kevin Holland, but Dana White saw something in him and signed him again. And whew, that spinning back kick uh, after getting his leg caught by Impa Kasanganai, Joaquin Buckley, just really, he's he's good. I think he gained like he's gained like sixty thousand Instagram followers or something like that. And yes, he, he, that knockout was impressive, but he showed some other things. He showed he can uh, get up into the pocket, make it dirty, and get out clean, uh, especially against the guy against Impa Kasanganai, who, who who likes to do a fairly similar thing. Uh, what were your thoughts on this fight? I thought Joaquin Buckley showed exactly what he can be in the UFC, and that's an extremely athletic guy with a lot of power behind his hands and his feet. And I think that was perfectly displayed in the knockout as well. He used that just raw athleticism to kind of get turned around on Impa Kasanganai, throw that spinning heel kick, and it was the power that put him down. Kasanganai, I don't think really know what hit him and ended up stumbling backwards, nearly stayed up on his feet, which would have been extremely impressive. But finally, uh, just ended up flat on his back without a chance. I was really impressed with Joaquin Buckley on Saturday. I was impressed with him in that fight against Kevin Holland because I love Kevin Holland. And Buckley was able to stay with him for quite a while. Uh, stepping into this one, I think he looked great. I think he's somebody to keep an eye on going forward, as is Impa Kasangane, but it's certainly going to be Joaquin Buckley that makes the headlines coming out of this Saturday. For sure. And uh, I, I don't know if thanks to these guys, these are two very young prospects. They'll probably get another prospect before going up in competition. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on the uh, what's next for these two guys? Yeah, I'm not sure where to go with either of these guys yet. I think Joaquin Buckley, still pretty young, still pretty raw, is somebody that the UFC is going to want to bring along rather slowly. Uh, other than that, same thing with Impic Sangane, honestly. These are, as I said, and as you said, two really big prospects, two prospects with a ton of potential uh, to move forward in the UFC to make things happen in the next couple of years. I don't think they're going to want to push either of these guys too hard, particularly Kasangade coming off of a loss and Buckley being as raw as he is. I don't think we're going to see a huge jump for him yet. I would see both of them probably getting some veterans outside the top 15. Definitely. All right. To the next fight of the night, Chris Dock versus uh, Rodrigo Nascimento Ferreira. Chris Dawkins, I'm I'm big on Chris Dawkins. This guy is a heavyweight with hands that are as fast as a flyweight, and that's why he got this win. I don't 
all, all of his strikes were significant. And he they're heavy and quick. I don't know what else to say about Chris Dawkins. I'm high on this guy. And I honestly would give him someone toward the bottom of the top 15 with the way he's been performing lately. What are your yeah, thoughts? I agree. I'm a big Chris Dawkins fan, especially coming out of Saturday. I liked him before, and I was continuing to be impressed uh, with the way he fought on Saturday. Like you said, extremely quick hands. That's the thing that jumps off the page for him in terms of his fighting style. And I just love the fact that, that he is aggressive and he uses those hands so well. Uh, I think moving forward, we're going to see him have some opportunities. We're going to see him have uh, some chances to, to make some things happen. And I think, like you said, I would like to see him get somebody towards the bottom of the top 15. I think that would be very beneficial for his career moving forward, potentially get him into that top 15 because he's looked so good to start off. And he came into this as an underdog. He was, he was a plus 220 underdog in this fight, and he knocked Rodrigo Nascimento Ferreira out in the first 45 seconds. Yeah, I mean, he, there's a lot of potential going on the Chris Dacus side. But on to uh, the featured prelim of the night, uh, Tom Breeze versus KB Buller. Um, Tom Breeze, I think this guy I think this guy has a lot of potential. He has heavy hands. Pin him with that uh, nice straight jab and just put him to the ground. If you put a guy to the ground with a straight jab, you definitely have heavy uh, heavy hands. It did. Excuse me. It did not even look that hard. So I'm I'm intrigued to see what Tom Breeze does uh, in the future. What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, Tom Breeze will mess you up, and that's what happened to KB Bular, who's not a bad prospect in his own right. One of the better Canadian prospects uh, coming out right now, as Ariel Hawani was talking about on Saturday. But Tom Breeze will will mess you up. And like you said, putting a guy down with a straight jab is ridiculously impressive. His ability to do that on Saturday was. Uh, really, really fun to watch and really, really brutal to watch. But I, I like what this guy is able to do. He's already in a featured prelim at this point. I would love to see him keep continuing up the card. For sure. All right. To the first uh, event in the main card, uh, the first guest on Throwing Hands, Yusuf Salah going up against Ilya Tapuria. Uh, Ilya Tapuria, man, I'm, I was impressed. He came in on 10 days short notice against Yusuf, who's – one of the top prospects in the UFC right now, and just just took him to the ground and kept him there. I mean, Yusuf Zalak got out of I don't know how many submission five submission attempts that looked pretty cinched in. So uh, he's not a white belt like Tapuria said, but Yusuf Zalak's performance really puzzled me. It seemed like he wanted to go to the ground sometimes against a guy who's very well versed on the ground. He didn't want to keep his distance, pick his shots like it's a tie boxer. He is. What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this was a little bit of a weird fight to watch. Taporia, like you said, came in, uh, completely controlled things to the ground. Five takedowns in this fight for Ilya Taporia, and that was the difference maker because he was outstruck by Yusuf Zalal, and that's something you come to expect from Yusuf Zalal because he strikes so quickly, he strikes with such efficiency, and he keeps guys at a distance. But Taporia was able to get inside, take those, grab those takedowns, and I don't think Yusuf Zalal really knew how to react to that. I think uh, he ended up kind of fighting Taporia's fight, and you never want to do that. Uh, particularly against a wrestler. So uh, Zalal just, I think, got caught in a bad position. I think there were flashes where he still looked good. I still think he's an outstanding prospect here. Uh, we're, we're talking about a guy he, he lost because he got taken down five times. But as I said, he still outstruck Taporia uh, by four in terms of significant strikes and by ten in terms of total strikes. And he landed with the same kind of efficiency. So did Yusef Zalal take a loss here? yes. Is it a huge setback for him? I would say no. I think this is more of a step forward for Ilya Taporia than it is a step back for Yusef Zalal. 
Yeah, I have to agree with you there. I think this loss is, might be one of the best things to happen to Yusuf Salal in the long run. I think he went up, a grap- went up against a very good grappler, and he realized, hey, I, probably after this fight, you know, I need to uh, choose my fights more wisely uh, where they go and stuff like that. So I think in the long run, this probably benefited Yusuf Zalal. But, and I think Yusuf Law didn't take too much damage, so we could probably see him fight for a fifth time by the end of the year. What do you think? I would think so. Yusuf Zalal is a guy that when we talk to him and what we've seen in the UFC, seems like the type that he's just going to want to fight when he's given the opportunity, and I think we're going to see that again by the end of the year. Like we've said, he's a hot prospect. He sees, he's the type of guy that's motivated to get back in the win column. I think we're going to see him try to do it by the end of the year. Definitely. All right, to the next event of the Big night for heavyweights. I mean, uh, prospect-wise. So, uh, Tom Aspinall versus Alan Baldo. Aspinall, man, I'm, I'm high on this guy personally. I think he's, he's a lean heavyweight, and he just, he'll just put you out. And he wasn't even impressed by his performance. He said, my coach, didn't tell me, my coach told me what not to do, and I did some of it, but I got the win, so he couldn't complain. But, I mean, Tom Aspinall, I'm high on this guy. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I agree. Tom Aspinall's got a ton of potential in the heavyweight division. Uh, 17 to 5 on total strikes, 16 to 3 significant. And then he landed a takedown as well. Uh, a minute 35 knockout. I mean, this, he came in as a massive favorite, and he did ex- everything you expect a massive favorite to do. Minus 650 for Tom Aspinall to win this fight. I mean, you almost have to put money on Alan Baudot coming into that uh, just based on the odds themselves. Uh, but Tom Aspinall looked great, was dominant did everything you expect out of a top prospect. And I l- would love to see what he's able to do going forward. Yeah, I think, I think in the past two fights, I mean, he hasn't had too many fights in the UFC, obviously. He's only had two, that's correct. But I, I, I think with the way he's performing, I think you've got to give him someone just right outside the top 15. Uh, I don't, I can't, no names come straight to my mind. But I, I don't know, maybe a Ben Rothwell, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little later. But I think, I think that'd be a good matchup for Tom Aspinall. What are your thoughts? I think so. I think uh, we talked about Chris Daukas earlier, and those are two prospects, but that would be a really interesting prospect fight. I'm not sure if they would want to match those two guys up and give one of those guys a loss this early in their UFC runs, uh, but it would be interesting to take a look at. Aspinall is at a point where he is going to need a bigger challenge. Rothwell would be an interesting one. Anyone in that range, I think, would be an interesting one. Definitely. So to the next middleweight battle of the night, uh, Marcus Perez versus Strikers Duplessis. I mean, Duplessis, I mean, South African fighter. There's not too many in the UFC, but he showed out. Marcus Perez dipped his head. Duplessis had that uh, right, uh, left uppercut, I think, right to the temple and put him to sleep pretty much. So I think I, I'm, I like Duplessis a lot. I like his potential. He's a big middleweight too. He's ripped, I think, and he's very athletic. So I, can, I think he can be a big problem in this division. What are your thoughts? I think so. This was another fight that was extremely exciting just because it was two guys going at each other and Duplessis was able to kind of take control early and handle it from there. But uh, there were 40 strikes landed between these two guys and all of them were significant. That's, that's insane to talk about, even in a fight that was ended in just over three minutes. But uh, Duplessis comes out 26 significant strikes to 14, as I mentioned, against Marcus Perez. And he was efficient doing it. He was powerful doing it. And as you said, a big middleweight that can cause some problems for some guys. I think he's got some potential moving forward. I like what he did on Saturday. And I was very impressed coming away just with his ability to kind of stay on top of things, keep Marcus Perez on his heels. Definitely. I think uh, there's not much else to talk about. I think 
Duplessis will still get a, I think you'll get a high level prospect, but I don't see him doing too much outside of that just right now, but he'll, he'll get, he'll be somewhere. I think. All right. To, to the big, to more big boys, uh, Ben Rockwell versus Marcin Tybura. I mean, these guys were, were, were slinging some rubber. We're slinging some leather rather. I think these guys, I mean, if this was a, in a, an arena, I think the crowd would be going nuts over these two heavyweights just slugging it out. It was, it was, it was entertaining to watch. What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, I think this was just two big lads going right at each other for three rounds. <laughs> and Martian Tybura came out on top. He outlanded Ben Rothwell by 60, but in terms of significant strikes, it was only by five. So Rothwell threw a ton of strikes. He threw 287 strikes to Tybura's 274, uh, but Tybura was a lot more efficient in doing it, 57% landing on total strikes and 51% landing on significant strikes had a takedown in there as well. So Martian Tybura uh, looked very good in this fight. Uh, Ben Rothwell didn't necessarily look bad, but it was Tybura just filling this fight up with strikes and keeping the pressure up that I think allowed him to win. Yeah. I think potential wise for these guys, you know, Tybura, I believe he was ranked before a certain point, but I think he was ranked at a certain point and I think he's trying to get his career back on track. He took a little bit of a break. I think we could see, you know, Tybura, you know, find himself in that top 15 if you get strings together another win or two. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. I think Tybura isn't necessarily a guy that you're going to see uh, in even top 10 contention, but he's certainly somebody that could find himself in the top 15, kind of bouncing around those ladder spots and being a guy that can test some heavyweights coming up and have an opportunity to have a very defined role in the UFC and be very important to the hierarchy of the heavyweight division. Definitely. I think when it comes to Ben Rothwell, I think he and Andre Arlovsky are kind of like the gatekeepers of this division at this point. I mean, two old guys who can still, who can still uh, throw their hands, uh, compete, but it's, it's, he's, he's old. He's not going to get, he says he wants to get back in that title contention. I don't see it happening. I don't think many reasonable fans see it happening. What do you think? I disagree. I, I think Ben Rothwell, I mean, I disagree with Ben Rothwell's sentiment, not with you. I don't think he's in a position to get back into title contention. Like you said, him and Arlovsky are the gatekeepers. They're the guys that are going to be the tests for guys coming up. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So he's got a defined role. It's going to keep him on the roster. I just don't think he takes much of a step up from there. Nope, he won't. So to the next, to the co-main event in the evening, Edson Barboza versus Makwan Amir Khani. We saw Amir Khani back in Fight Island, uh, when he submitted that uh, British dude, can't remember his name, put him out cold with that anaconda choke. Uh, he took Edson Barbosa down three times, but Edson Barbosa, I think he'll be a problem in this featherweight division. He's, he's, he's a big featherweight. He's strong. And his kick, he looked, he looked, he looked like he was in his prime with the, how he was kicking, how quickly he was kicking, and how he was choosing his shots. I'm, I'm keen on Edson Barbosa in this division. What are your thoughts? Edson Barboza pisses me off, man. It's just because he's he's challenged. He's going out and fighting all these guys that I want to see have success, and he's giving them challenges. I get that Dan Ige uh, technically won their last fight. I still think Barboza should have won that. And then he comes out and beats Amir Khani here. Those are two guys that I'm I'm big fan. I'm a big fan of in the in this division. And Barboza has came out and given them challenges. And you love to see guys fight at a high level, but it seems like Edson Barboza is kind of the boogeyman for some of my favorite fighters. Uh, but <laughs> he looked really good out here, as you said. Very, very efficient in what he did. Very powerful in his striking. 
those kicks are wicked. They always have been. And even moving down in weight, he's keeping that power and he's keeping that quickness. That's something to keep an eye out on. He's going to be a force in this division. Yes, he will. Uh, and, and for my uh, – we'll get to what's next for Barbosa in a minute. But for Amir Khani, I think we – I wouldn't be surprised if we see him get another ranked opponent, like maybe the, like the 15th. Like I know Bryce Mitchell's fighting soon, so whoever comes in that position after Bryce Mitchell wins, I think that's whom he'll fight next. I think Amir Khani is – a very, very good fighter. I think there's a lot of potential in him. I think there's a lot of uh, revenue in him because he's a he, he gets that finish market and he can submit and he can he can get he can do it on the feet too a little bit. So what do you think is next for Armir Khani? Yeah, I think you look at Armir Khani and he's still a guy to watch out for. He's still a guy that has a chance to be very successful in the UFC, and, and I think he's still in a position to get somebody ranked. He's in a position uh, to still take a step up in that regard. And I think we're going to see him do it. We're going to see him have success moving forward. Edson Barbosa may have been a little bit of a bridge too far for him, but I still think Amir Khani's got a great chance to be very successful. For sure. And to Edson Barbosa, I th- it's, it's kind of a tough situation. I think, I don't know where he fights next because this, this division's pretty locked up. If you look at the top six, these guys are, are all title contenders. These guys will should fight for can fight in a title at any time because I think Calvin Cater is that good along with the Ayer, Chansung Jun, and Zabit. But it's it's a very interesting division when it comes to these rankings. I mean Sodiq Yusuf has not fought in a while, so maybe we can see that. But I don't know. I think I think it's in, it's in Barbosa's best interest to wait it out a little bit and see how this division uh pans out over the next four or five months. What do you think? Yeah, this is we've talked about this division before. This featherweight division is going to take uh, some organizing. It's going to take some people uh, fighting a couple more times before we really have a clear-cut look at the hierarchy moving up and down. Uh, but Edson Barbosa, he, he may have to wait a little bit more for a fight, but a guy at his point in his career, uh, I think he can afford to wait a little bit, kind of pick his spots, not necessarily take the first fight that comes across his table. And that's not a bad thing. So – uh, I think Barbosa is in a position where he can wait, let things shake out a little bit more, and then pick his spots from there. Definitely. And you know you know what ticks me off? Um, Jan Blahovic isn't in the pound-for-pound rankings. That's upsetting. <laughs> that is upsetting. That's like, quite upsetting. I mean, he de- he, de- he demolished dec- Dominic Reyes. He, de- he decimated him. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Conor McGregor's up there. I mean, he hasn't. I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to. That's not a road we need to go down. Cause I'm going to. I'm going to sound like you on the on the six a.m. lift talking about lift, Baylor. Talking about Baylor football. Jeez. All right. Two. Uh, a good matchup. I like this matchup coming into it. But Corey Sandhagen, man, against Marlon Marais, he looked good. I think after that Aljamain Sterling fight, he kind of realized, well, got to get my stuff back on track. So he he looked good. He outlanded Marlon Marais significantly. Uh, coming into the second round, and then he just uh, hit him with that spinning heel kick, uh, wheel kick. I, I think, yeah, it was a wheel kick. And then you know he he put uh, Marais to the ground, started the ground and pound, and hurt uh, some. The ref stepped in. Um, it was it was a very efficient performance by Sandhagen. He chose his shots. He landed forty three percent of them. Doesn't look like it, but Marlon Marais is. I, I I think he's one of the best in this division. So even after this uh, performance, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this is just another very exciting fight. Another fight where every strike landed was significant. 52 significant strikes uh, between these two guys. And Corey Sandhagen, 
uh, was just right on top of Marlon Marais from the beginning, uh, was directly in his face, uh, really bouncing back from that Aljamain Sterling loss, where I think we saw him be a little bit more passive, and that's what led to Sterling locking in that, that rear naked choke and finishing it off pretty quickly. Uh, Sandhagen was able to come out. He was aggressive. He was the Corey Sandhagen we've seen in the past, where he just goes right after guys, and that's what he did to Marlon Marais here. I, I agree with you. Marlon Marais is one of the best bantamweights in the world. And Corey Sandhagen made him look nowhere near that. So uh, I think Sandhagen's put himself in a great position. I think he's put himself in a position to potentially get a title shot very soon. And he did it by knocking off one of the best guys in the world at, at this weight class. Yep. I, I think I'm not going to add anything to that. So to the rankings uh, and what's next for these guys, Marlon Marais – I don't I think I think it could be Cody Garbrandt potentially. Uh hear me out here. I think, you know, Cody Garbrandt got hurt from that flyweight title fight. He might not fight for it again. And I think, you know, come December, January, uh the flyweight title is not going to be uh in contention because the fight had just been fought for. So I think Cody Garbrandt could be a good next opponent for Marlon Moraes coming back out of this loss. What do you think? I would absolutely agree. I think uh, Marlon Moraes like you said coming off of a loss against a guy that's kind of coming up in the rankings again in Cody Garber. And I think that'd be very, really, very, really. I think that would be really <laughs> interesting to watch, a fun fight to see. Definitely. And uh, for Corey Sandhagen, I think his best move is to wait. I don't – I think he should just kind of just stay stay lurking. Piotr Jan and, uh, and uh, Aljo, I, I believe they will fight fairly soon. Um, it, it just – it just depends on visa stuff with Piotr Jan going uh, training in Thailand, if I'm not mistaken. So I think with visa issues and stuff like that, this fight could be, it might be until February until we see this fight uh, pan out. What do you think? I think so. And I think Corey Sanhagen has made himself the clear cut next, uh, next guy to fight. However, uh, he could be in for a little bit of a layoff anyway. I was just, uh, just moments ago, uh, looking at the the medical suspensions uh, as a result of this this fight card, he's potentially looking at a six month layoff. Uh, it's possible that he has a broken orbital bone, which would force him uh, to have a six month layoff uh, after getting checked out by an ophthalmologist. Uh, he'll have to be cleared, or else it's a 180 day medical suspension. It's a minimum of 30. Uh, but Corey Sandhagen could be down for six months, uh, which would put him in a position then. Uh, with Piotr Jan and, and Aljamain Sterling potentially fighting in the next few months, would put him in a position to get that next title shot. But still, uh, Corey Sandhagen, regardless of who his next match is made up against, uh, is probably going to be down for the next six months. Yeah, and I think that could, could work to his benefit, honestly, because yeah. I don't want him to be like, uh, what's her face, uh, Joanne Calderwood, just fighting for no reason. Um, and losing that potential title shot, I think – Obviously, Aljamain Sterling's next. There's no question about that. But I think, honestly, Corey Sandhagen just standing, waiting back for who's next will we'll, we'll just benefit him in the long run. So I think I'm, I'm intrigued to see what's next for uh, uh, Corey Sandhagen. All right, to news. We have lots to talk about in this uh, sector. Conor McGregor wants to fight before 2020 is over against uh, what's-his-face Dustin Poirier. Uh, he's agreed to the fight. Uh, what do you think? Let's see it. I want to. I want to watch these guys fight, and I want to do it in twenty twenty. Bring it on! Oh heck yes! Uh, Scott Van Pelt uh, uh, getting some backlash on what he said about uh, the knockout uh, concerning Joaquin Buckley and uh, 
Impica song and I, he said, I get that most people love it. I don't, I don't love that. The guy is out, mashes his head to the ground. Yeah. And we know SVP is a big boxing guy. Uh, he got a lot of uh, flack for this. What, what were your thoughts on his comments? I mean, it's, it's a different world. And, and I, I get the, I get the sentiment, but I think, uh, and, and I've discovered this in talking to some people that are more boxing focused when it comes to combat sports, uh, there are some some boxing fans out there that don't really get the UFC. They don't really get what I don't know how to put this, but there are some people that are that are that are big boxing fans that don't really get the UFC, and they look at it from the boxing perspective of you know everything is everything is points. Uh, you get knockouts, but for the most part, uh, you're looking at points. You're looking at strategy more often, and you have that in the UFC. Uh, but it's not quite as refined as boxing. And I think that's the problem you run into with, with a lot of boxing purists when they take a look at the UFC, when they take a look at MMA, and they don't necessarily understand what they're seeing. Yeah, I think that's part of it, too. He just – I mean, I like Scott Van Pelt. He's a good dude. Uh, as do I. Yeah, big, 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 big 10 guy also. Well, Maryland was in the ACC when he went. But, hey, big 10 guy. I'm, I like – I respect Scott Van Pelt, and I, don't, I just don't – I don't think he understands what he saw. That right. was skill at its finest. I mean, Impic Song and I should have just uh, threw his leg to the side, but what uh, Joaquin Buckley saw, what he did, that, I don't know, it was beautiful. I, I think it was beautiful. Yes. The next story I thought was interesting. Uh, Habib said he would never coach uh, the ultimate fighter against Conor McGregor, even if the OC offered $5 billion. Now, $5 billion, I would accept that in a heartbeat. I don't care oh, if I hate the guy. But... but I mean, I think Habib has enough money to not care about having $5 billion. What were your thoughts on his comments? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure this was something that was on the table at some point. But, okay, that would have been really entertaining to watch. But <laughs> is it that big of a story? Probably not. It would have led to another Conor Habib fight probably. But that, that's, that's what I would have been interested in getting out of this, another fight between those guys. But – Okay, Khabib likes to make a, Khabib likes to talk about a lot of things, and yeah. <laughs> th this is just another one of them. So, uh, people talk about Conor McGregor running his mouth, and and Khabib kind of does it a little more quietly, but he just he just says some things to say them, and I mean, there's yeah. not much you can do with it. Yeah, there isn't much you can do with it. Okay, do you have anything you want to talk about? You covered it, man. I I came in here with a couple headlines, and you took them all, took them all. Oof. All right. Uh. We got a good card uh, coming up Saturday. I'm excited yes, for this one. Big, big uh, implications in this one. Title shot implications for this one against uh, Ortega and the Korean Zombie. Daniel, I want to thank you for coming on again. Uh, it's, good, it's good to be back at this. Yes, sir. All right. We'll see you guys. Uh, I don't know when, but we'll figure it out.